0: Welcome to the podcast series, Redefined in Christ. Each episode explores what it means to live a life of freedom through what Christ accomplished on the cross. So let's listen in on what our host, Tim Atterbury, is teaching on today. Welcome back to the podcast. Today we'll be talking about the flesh and the spirit. This is going to be an interesting podcast today. For two reasons that I can think of immediately. Number one is that I'm no expert in the separation of spirit, soul, and body. It gets into some muddy areas when I study and try to explain my understanding of it. This is why I lean heavily on the scriptures. How can we ever understand the thing called spiritual life or eternal life? Well, it's just a little beyond the grasp of our mental ability. The separation of body and spirit is not a field that I've really officially studied. I don't even know what you would call that field, to be honest. But we are spiritual beings freed from sin. However, we have a natural body and carnal thinking attached to it. So it's important to look into The second reason I think it will be interesting is that I find it interesting. (laughs) I think primarily because I'm not sure many Christians think about the different parts of us and the roles they play in our lives. However, when we look at the Scriptures, understanding the distinctions between spirit, soul, and body as much as we can, I believe we can better understand the teachings of the New Testament. Generally speaking, I think most of us would agree that the Spirit is our part that the Holy Spirit completely changes while we are here on earth. This is a spiritual living part of us. It would be difficult to separate it from the soul. The soul seems to be connected to the spirit in such a way that the outcome of our eternal decisions that we make, we either save our soul or condemn our soul. Our soul goes to heaven or hell based on our spiritual choice. I like to think of it like this. Our soul is like a vehicle that is being driven by a natural or spiritual driver. The soul is intertwined with the mind, or can be referred to as the mind in some scriptures. So it seems that the mind or soul is the battlefield of our spiritual lives. In the original languages, there are words used that mean both soul and mind together, and some speak of them separately. Look at what the Old Testament says about these three, the spirit, soul, and body. In Deuteronomy 6, 4, 7, the children of Israel are told to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, right? Here you can see the heart, the seat of emotion, the attitude, who we are could seem to be the spirit of a person. The soul, the life essence, and the strength represents our physical selves. When we see Jesus refer to this scripture, we see three writers tell us in three different ways what he said. Matthew records that he said, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And Mark says, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Luke quotes him as saying, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. Here we see separated the idea of soul and mind. So it's worth a study, but remember, we also have two parts of our minds, right? We have the conscious and the subconscious minds. Perhaps this has something to do with it. I'm not a psychologist, but most of us know that our conscious mind seems to be the part of our mind that we can control to some extent to change, where the subconscious seems to have a mind of its own most of the time. Perhaps one is the soul and the other is more connected with the carnal side of us. It is an amazing study, the spirit, heart, soul, mind, and body. But for our our discussion, I really just want you to recognize that there are differences, and in particularly how Paul makes a distinction in the two extremities, which I would call the spirit and the body, because the soul is kind of caught in the middle. It's the body, the natural self, and whatever it is part of, possibly the subconscious mind that Paul calls carnal or natural. The natural body definitely f- refers to our mortal parts. The carnal seems to be the primal part of us. I don't know, but it, it could include our subconscious mind. With the conscious mind, we can put on the will of God. This is more difficult with the subconscious part of us. It seems to be an autopilot driven by urges more than logic. and has to be submitted to a higher authority. Okay, well... I guess we're kind of drifting on all that subconscious, conscious, and all that. But let's get back to the subject because it's an important one today. So, for the reasons that I've mentioned, this is why we are either carnal or spiritual. We are either in Adam or in Christ, as discussed in previous podcasts. But what pulls the mind to be so earthy? Well, it's the body. Remember, the brain is not the mind. The chemicals are not the spirit, but they affect one another. When our chemistry, which is highly connected to our emotional reactions, have control of our body, our thinking can be led in the wrong direction. Think about it. The mortal body with the chemistry and physical makeup, coupled with our subconscious mind influences, and the thinking produced by the brain, all carries this carnality to the battlefield of the soul or the mind. It brings it to the surface. There it drives the soul toward hell and affects the human spirit. So again, I'm not a scientist or psychologist. And you can see many varying interpretations by a lot of different people that study these things. But I'm leaning to the scriptures to understand the interactions of the spirit, mind, and body. The heart is also mentioned. It would seem to be the emotional part of us which can be connected to the body through chemicals, the brain influencing thoughts and passions, So worshiping the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, well, it's not just words. Jesus was giving us a key to righteous living. It is all connected to worship. I I do want to say that according to how I read the writings of Paul, the mortal body will be destroyed. Its resurrection comes in the end of times. We receive a transformed and glorified body to complete our salvation. That's not to say our spirits are not immediately with Christ. The Bible teaches that to be absent in body is to be present in the Lord. I like the way the Holman Christian Standard Bible translates it. And we are confident and satisfied to be out of the body and at home with the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5.8. However, we will receive renewed, transformed, glorified bodies at the resurrection of the dead. Philippians 3, 21 states, He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of His glorious body by the power that enabled Him to subject everything to Himself. Wow. We serve a powerful God. The God of resurrection and life. So we will have transformed bodies. But on this earth... We are reminded that our physical bodies are weak, natural, and corrupted. So it is with the resurrection of the dead, says Paul in 1 Corinthians fifteen forty-two: Sown in corruption, raised in incorruption. Sown in dishonor, raised in glory. Sown in weakness, raised in power. Sown in natural body, raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. 1 Corinthians 15, 43, 44. On down in the chapter, he reminds us that the kingdom of God cannot be inherited by flesh and blood. Verse 50. And he speaks of the return of Christ to receive the living saints, claiming they will not all, quote, fall asleep, but will be changed, end quote. Verse 51. He then reminds us that the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we will be changed from this corruptible must be clothed with Incorruptibility and this mortal must be clothed with immortality. Verse 52 through 54. You may have not thought of it this way, but the more we study, the more we can see that it is the mortal body that seems to hold us here, present and fights against the spirit, trying to keep us from being who God has called us to be. The body with all its senses, its chemically driven urges and emotional connections to this reality. It seems to be a big problem. Death rolls over this natural body, producing fear. And without faith in Christ, our minds are enslaved to the sin, refusing and resisting the Spirit of God. Our realization that the sin that brings about physical death is what drives lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and pride of life. It is the fallen state of humanity without Christ. However, it can help us understand why and how We can't have a sin-free life. There's a battle raging with the carnal, sinful, primal nature of the human psyche. The soul is caught in the middle. It's a mind field. Did you catch that? In fact, the soul, like the territory of the battle, is being fought. Sorry, is being fought over. Right, and the carnal part of us is our enemy. This understanding separates the human spirit in a way that makes it an enemy of the flesh once it's been yielded to God's Spirit. And therefore, it's an enemy to your spirit that has been set free in Christ. Once you have received Christ in your life and have been transformed in your mind or repented of carnal thinking and allowed the Holy Spirit to guide your soul, you will see your own spirit melded with God's Spirit. You will be in Christ I was looking at this word spirit used for our human spirit and God's spirit in us in much the same way through some of the scriptures. At times in reading the New Testament, it's as if they are one in the born-again believer. You'll see the word spirit capitalized to represent God's spirit in Bible translations. Note that often the capital S is used when you would think it should be the small one or vice versa, the way it reads. The scriptures we look at today have this mix of human spirit and God's spirit. You may not hear it in the reading, but you can see it in the spelling. There are many indicators that because we are one in Christ, we are one in spirit. And therefore, the blended part of us is the new creature that we have become. Imagine for a moment that your natural, physical, mortal, body, brain, chemicals, let's just call it carnality or flesh, fleshly self. Imagine that it represents the law in you. Remember the law? The old covenant bound by rules and regulations of nature. Then imagine your spirit as the new covenant freed from sin and completely in Christ. The law telling you what is natural and bad in you and the grace that's telling you, you are free. Imagine your spirit is alive in Christ, but the law ruling your natural self is sin and death in you. You are free. Your mind has settled into peace and joy, but your flesh is fighting If you can imagine this as the reality you now exist in, you'll find it much easier to understand what Paul is trying to tell us about the law of Moses when he calls the law the law of sin and death and the law of freedom, he calls the law of freedom in Christ. Now in this podcast, although we will deal with the three, spirit, soul, and body, it really focuses on the difference in flesh, which is also our fleshly carnal parts, and the spirit, which is free of sin. That is, of course, if we believe in the work of Christ on the cross, we cannot change the truth about what Christ did for all of us, but we can refuse to believe it and walk in the spiritual darkness that allows death to rule over us. The soul seems to be the most neutral ground where the battle between flesh and spirit takes place. Like I said, it's like a vehicle that has two drivers fighting over it. The soul gets to be driven by the winter. Now that I've tried somewhat to clear up the muddy waters of soul, spirit and body, you can see why only God's word can truly separate them. For the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of the soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It is able to judge the ideas and thoughts of the heart. Hebrews 4:12. As you can see, Truly, only God knows the difference and can judge them correctly. So let's get into the topic. Wow, what a long introduction. (laughs) Let's start with Romans 7, 5 and 6. It says this, it says, For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions operated through the law in every part of us and bore fruit for death. But now we have been released from the law since we have died to what held us so that we may serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old letter of the law here in these scriptures we're told that being in the flesh is in the past the sinful passions were using the law in all parts of us causing death now we are not held accountable by the law we died in christ and now we can serve god in a new way not through the law of moses therefore free from transgression not under the sin or curse of death of Adam, because we're not in Adam, we're now in Christ. Whether we were under the law or not, we were all still caught in the situation that the law was given to the people. Only those chasing, oh sorry, only those choosing to live under the law could be saved by their sacrifices. Remember that Paul said where there was no law, there was no transgression. It came with the law of Moses. But we were all under the curse of death brought on by Adam's sin. This is why we are all in Adam or in Christ. But Jesus was the final sacrifice under the old covenant. So we were all freed from transgression of the law through his sacrifice. If you don't understand this, perhaps some of my past podcasts will help you understand your freedom from this transgression of the law. Paul is speaking to Jews who were previously saved from sins by the sacrificial system. Paul gives us keys earlier in his letter to understand this passage. He tells us that we all died in Adam, and we all died and rose in Christ. In this understanding, he tells us that the law of Moses was was driven by transgression. One would transgress or break the law and then have to have a sacrifice to save them. Under the new covenant, the law was completely done away with. Therefore, transgression was also done away with. Where there is no law, there is no transgression or breaking of the law. So he says, it once ruled every part of us. The conclusion here in the text is now we can serve in a new way of the Spirit and not under the law of Moses. However, note the sinful passions in the flesh that Paul's talking about. These passions or carnal urges cannot use the law for amplification of the sin nor give power to sin. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty six says, Now the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. The law was giving power to sin. How? Well, it formed a rule to say what sin was, and then when you were told not to do something, it was amplified. Paul uses one of the Ten Commandments as an example. Earlier in Romans 7, 8, he says, And sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me coveting of every kind. For apart from the law, sin is dead. Paul is very clear when talking about the differences in the law of Moses and the law of grace and faith in Jesus Christ. He clearly defines the differences and strongly compares the law to carnality. Romans 8, 3, and 4. What the law could not do since it was limited by what? By the flesh. God did. He condemned sin In the flesh, by sending his own son in the flesh, like ours, under sin's domain, and as a sin offering, in order that the law's requirement would be accomplished in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So you see, the law was limited by the flesh, or these natural carnal passions. No matter how many sacrifices a person under the law would find themselves breaking, again, another rule, God condemned sin through Jesus. Jesus did not break any of the commandments, and he was sacrificed as a final sacrifice. This supernatural action of God annulled the old covenant and replaced it with a new covenant. In the new covenant, we have been freed from the law of sin and death, and now, because there are no written rules to break, we live according to the Spirit, allowing us to be free from sin. Wow, praise God. Remember, where there is no law, there is no transgression. Let's look at the verse because we can miss something very important that distinguishes this law of sin and death from this law of faith, freedom, and life in the New Covenant. Romans 4.15 says it like this. It says, For the law produces wrath. Where there is no law, there is no transgression. You see, the product of the law is wrath. God's wrath comes upon the transgressor, the transgressor. We are not under that law anymore. So every bit of God's wrath was taken out on Jesus on the cross. Every bit of his wrath. We must understand this revelation to live in the freedom of what God has done. God does not get angry with you. He was angry with disobedience and used it to show us His mercy through the cruel sacrificing of His Son. It was God's anger toward disobedience and transgression, and Jesus took it all upon Himself. This paid the ransom. Oh, why do we limit the cross? (laughs) It's not because God owed the devil anything. It was something else. We were ransomed from being enslaved to sin. Romans 7.14 says, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am made out of flesh, sold into sin's power. Through Jesus, we are no longer slaves to sin. Romans six eighteen and 20 tells us, And having been liberated from sin, you became enslaved to righteousness. I'm using a human analogy because the weakness of your flesh. For just as you offered the parts of yourselves as slaves to mortal impurity and to greater and greater lawlessness, so now offer them as slaves to righteousness, which results in sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free from allegiance to righteousness. So, you see, we were sold into slavery by, of sin by Adam and then by Moses. The result of Adam's transgression was death. The result of law, the law of Moses was transgression. The law empowered the sin. But we are freed from the slavery of sin now through Jesus Christ. Mm. So take a breath while I get a sip of water. Regroup your mind and consider before we move on. No matter what you thought about yourself, If you are now a born-again believer, God freed you from your transgression. This made a way for you to live in Him without being a slave to sin. Now you have been freed. You only have to accept the freedom. But unfortunately, we also have to talk about what happens if we don't accept the freedom. Let's look again at Romans 8. Remember, we're talking today about the difference between flesh and spirit. Romans 8, 5 through 8 says it like this. It says, for those who live according to the flesh think about the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit about the things of the Spirit. For the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. For the mindset of the flesh is hostile toward God because it does, doesn't submit itself to, the, to God's law, for it is unable to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. I believe this is easier to understand now that we have focused on the vocabulary Paul is using through the chapter, the entire letter of Romans, really. So he's telling us that we, there are two mindsets, a mindset of the flesh that causes us to think about the things of the flesh or sinful passions. Then there's the mindset of the spirit, which is life and peace. He also tells us that the mindset of the flesh is hostile toward God. Why? Because it Refuses to submit itself to God's law. Notice the use of the word law here. It could be referring to the Old Covenant because he's telling the Jews that the flesh doesn't submit to the law even if they were keeping it, the the Old Covenant. But if it's not referring to the Old Covenant, it is referring to the principles of the New Covenant. Because the only laws we're given in the New Testament are really I call principles. Uh, They are... um, Love, faith, life, and liberty. Against these, like the fruit of the Spirit, there's no law. So we are not left lawless, but what laws that are permanent and come from God, who by His very nature is love, aren't just guardrails or guidelines. To walk in these principles is to walk in unbel- against it, is to walk in unbelief or a lie or therefore spiritual darkness, which condemns a person to eternal damnation. So though you cannot transgress these laws because they're not written rule, you can walk away from these principles of living and follow sinful passions that lead you into unbelief. Your sin would not be a transgression, but it would be a barrier that separates you from God because you cannot see the kingdom or walk in it. Therefore, you cannot inherit it. Sinful passions are this barrier. When you cross the barrier... Following your sinful passions, you will be found condemned by your, by your love for the world more than your love for God. John three nineteen. So let's continue reading. Paul says, you, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God lives in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then He who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through His Spirit who lives in you. So then, brothers, are we not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh? For if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Wow. What an awesome segment of Scripture on flesh and spirit. Many people don't understand these passages because they don't understand that they are not under any part of the old covenant, and often don't understand they are freed from sin by the new covenant. Neither do they realize the difference in the perfect spirit they have through Christ and the corrupted body they have because of the curse of death over it. Do you remember when God told Adam that if he ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that he would surely die that day? Adam died spiritually. But about a thousand years later, he died naturally. There's a natural curse and a spiritual curse. Jesus freed our spirit from the spiritual curse, and he freed us from the natural curse by promising us a glorified body at our resurrection through his own resurrection. Let's briefly recap what he says here. Paul tells the Christians in Rome that they are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. In other words, he says, not in Adam, but in Christ. The reason we are no longer in the flesh is because the Spirit of God lives in us. This happened at new birth, or when we began to walk in this new covenant with God. John, in 1 John 1.6 says, if anyone doesn't have the Spirit of Christ, then he doesn't belong to him. So to those who are born again, Paul says that our body is dead because of sin, We all died in Christ, but God's Spirit who raised Jesus lives in us, and he will also bring your mortal bodies to life through the Spirit who lives in you. So we're no longer obligated to live according to the sinful passions of the flesh. He tells us if we live by these sinful passions, we're going to die. So what is our escape? Paul says that by the Spirit, we can put these deeds of the body to death, and we will live. Notice that here Paul is clarifying that these sinful passions arise from the mortal body itself. But we can live by putting the sinful behaviors of the body to death through the Spirit. So you can see Romans 8 is a great chapter to read on the subject of flesh and spirit. These these scriptures speak of our new spiritual birth and what the difference is in living the new way versus the old way or in the old self or under the old law. Paul teaches us what is flesh, is flesh, and it breeds flesh. And what is spirit, is spirit, and it breeds spirit. Galatians 6.8 says, Because the one who sows to his flesh will reap corruption from the flesh, but the one who sows in the spirit will reap eternal life from the spirit. Let's also go ahead and look at Galatians 5.13. It says, For you were called to be free, brothers. Only don't use this freedom for an opportunity for the flesh. But serve one another through love. The verse 16 says, For the flesh desires what is against the spirit, and the spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposing each other so that you don't do what you want. There are a couple of points I want to make here. Notice Paul encourages the saints of Galatia not to use their newfound freedom in Christ as an opportunity for the flesh. He contrasts this opportunity for the flesh by saying, but serve one another through love. Again, we can see when we are not acting in love, we're acting in flesh. Also, when we speak of the spirit versus the flesh, we must consider the human spirit as being altered during the new birth. God's spirit, the Holy Spirit, cleanses us, making us a new creature, giving us a new mind. All of this makes our spirit a spirit that has been infused with the divine nature of God. So we become divine creatures. This divinity through the Holy Spirit, has given us new abilities to move and act in God's love. Second Peter 1, 4 says that, "...by these He has given us very great and precious promises, so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of the evil desires." This happens because His divine power has given us every required, everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness, according to verse 3. So we have been infused with divinity. This sanctifies us, setting us apart as God's family, His chosen. So when we see these scriptures, we refer to the Spirit. Sometimes, well, we're talking about our human spirit or the Spirit of God or being in Christ or Christ in us. It does seem a little confusing because the word used for our human spirit and the Holy Spirit are... Both used as spirit sometimes when it's saying it in the Bible. So when we read spirit, when it's contrasted with the flesh, we're talking about the born-again spirit of a person infused with divinity. These scriptures that were just read can look like it's a spirit of God against the flesh, but it's because his spirit in us is the divine power of God in us. His love, his peace, his joy living through us. We are in Christ, Christ in us. We are one with Christ. Wow. One day our mortal bodies will join in that oneness fulfilling Jesus' prayer that we will be one with Him as He is one with the Father. Galatians 4.24 tells us, Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, we must also follow the Spirit. John three six says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And John six sixty three tells us that it is the Spirit who gives us life. The flesh profits nothing. Since the Garden of Eden, when our eyes were opened to shame and darkness, we have lived in the flesh, in Adam and in the curse of death. Through Jesus, we are brought to life and living spirits that, is led, that were led by the Holy Spirit, poured into us through the blood of Jesus, and we are positioned differently, having a new spirit and a new mindset. We now walk in the covenant of Abraham, not the law of Moses. In this life of faith, following the Spirit, we are freed from the control of sin and the curse of death. We walk in God's law, which we discussed in previous podcasts, we walk in His love, His freedom, His life, and in faith. Don't ever underestimate the power of God in your life. It is the power of salvation. Earlier we read that the flesh cannot submit itself to God. This is why we must have His Spirit doing the work in us. Through God's Spirit in us, the flesh is subdued in the sinful nature has no control. So you see, my conclusion is, we are free in Christ. We are free from transgression, and we are free to live in love, faith, life, and liberty. He has freed us from sin and death, and we have much to be thankful for. But our flesh doesn't want to learn. We always have to keep it under subjection. If you're challenged by a mindset that is constantly reminding you of how sinful you are, You're listening to dead man that died in Adam. You should be listening to the dead man that died in Christ and rose to victory. (laughs) Listen. Your spiritual man. Listen to your spiritual man. Listen to your natural one. And remember, faith always does its best work. How? Through love. I hope you enjoyed the podcast, and we will be here again next week. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Be sure to tell your friends that they can find it on most major distributions. Just search Tim Atterbury or the title, Redefined in Christ. You can learn more about Tim, his mission work in Honduras, and transcripts of these podcasts at www.timatterberry.website. Again, thanks for listening. And remember, faith works through love.